All right, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, we have Ms. Lee Carter. Ms. Lee Carter oversees a diverse range of communication and language strategy, has worked for Fortune 100 and 500 companies, a very sought after communication expert. I thought we would bring on the program and talk about the communication from Donald Trump's camp. Okay, this is going to be interesting, Ms. Carter. We are going to chop it up about Donald Trump, the latest indictment, the spin that's coming from the right. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about the charges and the conversation around it. So if you would give us your sentiment and I will then opine. <laughs> so uh, I find this whole thing absolutely fascinating because in many ways it is completely counterintuitive. You would think anybody undergoing indictments, plural, would become less popular. Uh, people would wanna see them not run. You would think that you would, you would say that somebody else might be better served to run, but that's exactly the opposite of what we're seeing in the polls. In fact, um, about three fourths of Republicans are more likely to vote for him today than they were before all of this happened. Most are saying that they see this as politically motivated. So Donald Trump is putting out this message. You can count the number of times he says witch hunt, witch hunt and people are buying it. Specifically his base. Now, that is not to say that independents and Democrats are buying it, but what we're focused on right now is the Republican base because that's what's gonna dictate the primaries. You know, and you have a great point. And I read earlier in the show the polling data that shows Donald Trump actually moved up six points after yeah. the indictment. And as far as unfavorability rating, he's at 31% in the latest poll, but so is Biden. Biden's at 31%. Biden doesn't have two criminal indictments and a combined charge docket of about 80 charges between the two cases. So you literally have this, I guess, victim messaging that works with conservative voters. But there is something interesting that I think Donald Trump did early in his campaigning. He made his base okay with politically motivated prosecution. Because he ran on the platform of lock her up. Well, who is her? The political opponent. Well, that's called a political a prosecution if you actually get in there and do it. He also had a conversation with a foreign head of state trying to get that foreign head of state to investigate an American citizen. Um, so this individual has politicized the role so much that it has become normative. I don't think people care anymore about the narrative per se as it relates to classified documents. I'm talking about the folks that are going to vote for him no matter what. But you do have Pence in the race now. You got Chris Christie who is the one talking about that and more. You got some other folk. I believe the Sanchez is in there. I believe that they are probably doing this because they think Trump doesn't make it past the Republican primary. What say you to that? I think you're right. I think there's a few candidates who are probably just trying to put themselves out there on the national stage for the first time and maybe are really running for vice president. Mm. I think there's a bunch of others that are hoping that, that Trump is just gonna go away and they're gonna be able to rise from the ashes. Specifically, I think Ron DeSantis is, is the one that's hoping that the most. But what's interesting right now is there's not a whole lot of movement among anybody since they've made their announcements. Everybody's staying pretty much flat. DeSantis has lost a lot of support. I think that's in large part because he's made so much of his campaign about the culture wars. And that's yeah. not what Republicans want to hear about. Nine and 10 want to hear about the economy. So he's missing the boat entirely. Yeah, you, you make a good point again. 
Um, Donald Trump will talk about the economy. He just gets in the way of his own messaging, right? DeSantis, he doesn't talk about the economy at all. Uh, then Chris Christie, his message has been about how horrible Donald Trump is. Uh, and then Mike Pence, I mean, is Mike Pence really running for president? I mean, is he really running for president? All right, because I can't tell. Now, <laughs> you have a messaging dynamic. At the end of this, my prediction is you're gonna have three people standing. Um, those three people will be Trump if he makes it through the primary, uh, DeSantis and uh, Chris Christie. And I say Chris Christie because he has carved out a lane unique to everybody else. His lane is, I want to tap into the voters inside of the Republican Party and some um, individuals who are moderate, willing to vote in the Republican primary, like Georgia, you could do that without declaring. Uh, he wants those individuals and that's not a split base. Everybody else splits a base. Everybody else splits a very conservative yeah. traditional base. DeSantis may start splitting some of that Trump base depend, depending on how the campaign goes, but no one has Chris Christie's lane. Do you see it similar? Well, I do, but I also can't help but wonder if Chris Christie isn't the Republican sacrificial lamb out there mm -hmm. trying to take down Trump. He is swinging hard and it, we've, we've seen this before. It is impossible to take Donald Trump down, down. That's why they call him Teflon Don. And so when you're running against him, it's really, really difficult. So the question is, are they doing this so that somebody else can take all the hits and let somebody else more optimistic stay pure. So I'm really interested about uh, Tim Scott. Now, he has a totally different lane. He's very, very optimistic. He is a true conservative, but his in his America, America always has been and always will be great. He tells amazing stories, he's a very, very different candidate. But if he was to start taking hits at Trump directly, it would be so out of character for him. But when you look at consideration of the candidates, you haven't seen polling if you had to vote tomorrow change that much. But consideration of Tim Scott has tripled since he announced. He's now got 21% of Republicans saying they would consider him. So I think he's somebody interesting to watch. He does have a unique lane. Chris Christie, I'm not sure, is he really running or is he running against? Ms. Lee Carter, I gotta say this, all right. Um, you really think Republicans are going to vote for Senator Tim Scott to be the leader of their party and this country? You really believe that? I believe it's possible. I do, right. it's a long way away. I think he's got a lot of the elements that people are looking for. I think a lot of people are tired of the angst and the rhetoric yeah. that is so, so negative. And he is somebody that's very different. Now, I know we all say we wanna hear more optimism and wanna hear more happiness and all of this. In the end, our eyes can't seem to get off the chaos. But I, I think he is one to watch. If anyone can do it, I think maybe he can. That is so interesting. You know, Republicans play with black conservative candidates and make them number one for a period of time. You look at the history, hell, Alan Keyes was polling in double digits when he was running for president. They knew good and damn well they weren't gonna give it to Alan Keyes. They did the same thing with Herman Cain. Herman Cain was number one. Herman Cain was polling number one in the Republican primary for about two weeks, right? So they do that with black candidates routinely. They never make it to the end, dear sister. They never make it to the end. It's always <laughs> kind of a bump in the road somewhere. Now, Tim Scott, he does have a unique campaign. His style is optimistic, good for him. But he refuses to address the reality of racism even inside of his own party. There's racism in both. But he refuses to address the racism inside of his own party. There are individuals who 
are just as antithetical to him in the Republican Party as they would be to me in the Democratic Party. So unless there's some, I don't know, magic wand to make these people forget about their own historical biases. I don't see Tim Scott making it as a last man standing because of the sentiment and the personality that has permeated in the Republican Party of late. What say you? Well, look, I, I, I see what you're saying. There's a lot of candidates who have, have had a, a surge and then gone by the wayside. Look at Ben Carson as well. Yep. I think Tim Scott is different because he's not denying that racism is real. He's saying, I don't want to define ourselves by it. He's saying this isn't what we should. I, I don't want I, I don't want the story to be that I am the exception. I want this to be the rule. So I think he's trying mm. to change the narrative and but change. Ms. Carter, Ms. Carter, in all due respect, if it's not true, it's not true. Uh, the, the truth is, we're talking statistically, the truth is we have to be honest about how race plays out in social context. Because if we don't, we can't solve it. We can never resolve what we fail to acknowledge. And while he is promoting this positivity as a campaign style, it lacks the necessary prowess required to attack it and fix it. So I'm glad that he has a positive outlook on life, but that doesn't put food in the mouth of those who are poor, nor does it give a black kid access to college who deserves it. You have to address these things head on by actually being willing to talk about the problem. Do you not agree? You know, there was a there was another candidate who was criticized for the very same thing. And his his theme was hope and change. And people wanted to hear more teeth and more specifics. And he ended up going all the way to the White House, not just once, but twice. So I think there is an appetite uh, for this kind of sorry rhetoric and a change in direction. Yeah, but President Obama also talked about systemic racism. President Obama also talked about why he was candidate Obama, the racism in his own family. Racism when he became a senator, policies that contribute to the downfall, continued lack that exists in urban communities. So while he had a very positive campaign, you are correct. He also contextualized properly some of the problems that needed social remedy through our government policies. Ms. Carter, we gotta have you back. Good to have you on the Hi. program. You made a good case for Senator Scott. I gotta say, he needs to hire you if he has not already done so, all right? Thank you so much. Thank you.